Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Ground Up with Natalie. Today, we are going to be talking about seven of my biggest failures in life and how I learned to fail forward and how they ultimately led to the success that I have today and how I continue to fail forward and some habits that you can incorporate tomorrow to um, help with failure as well. Today's episode is produced by Mastermind Media. And if you enjoy this podcast, please send it to someone, a friend, a family member, a colleague. And if you like it, please rate and review it as well. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Ground Up with Natalie. I'm super excited because today we have a chat with Nat and we haven't had one of these for a few episodes. So I'm excited to just be back chatting with you guys one on one and Today's topic is a fun one. (laughs) It was interesting as I was doing my research into my own life about this topic because there were so many things to choose from. What today's topic is, is all of my failures in life, quote unquote failures, right? Like things that I did that didn't work out or things that I did before the thing that ended up working out. And I got inspired by listening to another podcast where they were kind of talking about, I think she was a New York Times bestselling author and she was talking about how she has written like 10 books and the first nine were not, you know, New York Times bestselling authors and um, how even before those books were published, the ones that were not bestsellers, how she had written like thousands of words, you know, before that and books that she had in her laptop Um, and things like that. And so I thought, wow, people must look at her and go, oh, she's a huge, you know, New York Times bestselling author and she's written 10 books and she's gotten them published. That's awesome. Her life is great. And it's like, but let's strip all of that and, and look at her as a human being and be like, okay, what did she have to do to get there? Right. How many times did she fail? What did that look like? So that's what inspired this episode. And I kind of just wanted to talk candidly about, my failures in life um, and some things that you guys might not have known about me and that I'm not super open about. Um, And again, when I was kind of writing this out before I came here today to record, um, it was very interesting for me to go into these different topics because I wanted to think outside the box, not just a failure as in like, oh, acting. I went on a hundred auditions before I booked one. Like, yes, that's true. But also like, what are other aspects in my life that I've quote unquote, failed at. And I think that one of the main things is we live in a society where we are looking at people on social media, on TV, and just comparing ourselves to them and thinking, God, she has such a perfect body or how does, how did he get that successful? I think that it's just really important to understand that they didn't just wake up that way. Nobody did. Not one human being that you see woke up and was, honestly, let's, let's say Instagram famous. They didn't wake up Instagram. If that's your goal, you know, the person that you want to aspire to be has 500,000 followers and she's a health and wellness junkie and she owns her own fitness brand, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking from my own, like when I go, you know, Instagram deep diving, um, sometimes I see these young women who have a successful podcast and have their own fitness line and, you know, are posting TikToks of the food that they make. And it's also perfect and aesthetic. And I'm like, how? How do you do that? I'm so not there. Like that is so not, and maybe it's something that I aspire to do. But the truth is that person probably posted 
250 videos of doing that before making those very aesthetic, cool videos. And the truth is I haven't because I, you know, my time doesn't allow for that. So if I hunkered down and I was like, okay, I want to be a content creator and I started making a bunch of videos, I can get to that. But someone might look at me and be like, oh, she's on a successful show. Lucky her. Right. And then it's like, let's look at the luck, the quote unquote luck that is me or that person. It's a lot and lot of hard work. And behind that hard work, those 10 years of hard work behind that quote unquote overnight success is unproductivity, is stress, is depression, is anxiety. Everyone that you see that you admire and look up to and compare yourself to or want to be, they have definitively had days where they were feeling down where they were feeling like they didn't want to do anything, where they were feeling anxiety, where they were comparing themselves to someone else. And then there's the aspect of like, they're also still striving to be more of what they already are. So when we can look at it that way, I feel like it can help us kind of take action every single day on those small steps that we want to take to achieve our goals and dreams. And it might motivate us a little more. And it also might give us a little bit of um, grace with ourselves as far as if we feel unproductive or we want to take a break for the day. All of these people include, you know, Oprah, Taylor Swift, the late Kobe Bryant, like they all were at some point in their career, not what they are today, to put it in simplest terms. With all of that being said, I wanted to share some of my failures. And I think I have seven or eight to share today. So the first failure that I wanted to share with you guys today is high school. I would not consider my high school experience a success for a few reasons. One reason is that I was very bullied in high school, severely bullied to where I had to switch schools, um, sophomore year. And I was never very involved in school. I wasn't a cheerleader. I wasn't in ASB. I wasn't um, in any clubs. I was just kind of existing and I didn't really feel like I had a place to, to function. I just never felt like I really belonged. And I also felt like I tried really hard to belong. And I think it backfired against me. And I, yeah, again, just dealt with a lot of bullying from uh, girls. I had a guy pour orange juice on my head one day. Um, And I think this was just simply of getting involved too much in like the social aspect of school. And again, trying to fit in and, and just never actually finding comfort in who I was in a school setting. And so I would definitely not take high school as a success for myself. So in sophomore year, I had to switch to another school and if you've been in high school ever, you know that being brand new as a junior at a high school is not um, the easiest thing in the world. So I get to this new school and of course I didn't feel like I really belonged or had many um, friends that actually like I had some friends, but that uh, really I felt safe with or meant something to me, especially since I got so bullied by the girls at the previous school. I think I had major trust, trust issues and kind of blocks inside me and defensiveness and just all these issues as a 17 year old girl at a brand new school and all these wounds, I guess, right. Things come with being made fun of in, um, your earlier years. So now I'm this new, new student and I'm kind of, again, just having these blocks up of like guarding myself 
for dear life. Like no one can hurt me. No one can touch me. Um, and then that doesn't really leave an open space to make friends. So I just never really like set up shop and felt comfortable at any school. So with that being said, I knew I wanted to get out of that school as well. So I took the GED and I graduated one year early and I skipped senior year completely. Um, and so some people were like, well, don't you want to walk, you know, with a class? And I'm like, what's the point when you don't feel like you belong there? It's just so I can hold a diploma and say that I walked. It wasn't worth it to me. So I didn't, um, I didn't graduate the normal way. And I actually don't even think I have a diploma, but I have my GED. So it says that I like graduated high school. I took a test to do so. The test is super easy. Um, school's not for everyone, but yeah, so that was my high school experience. And I bring this up only because I just want to share with you, like the way you view someone right now, if you think that they're, you know, have everything or they're someone that you want to be, just know that there was like a lot of things that got them to where they are today. And I think the one thing that high school, my high school experience gave me was the drive that I have today. And without that experience, I wouldn't have that. And I wouldn't be able to be so fearless in the career that I'm in now, right? Because I have to be super ambitious to pursue the career that I've chosen of acting. And without um, everything that happened to me in high school of just you know, like if I got super comfy and I felt like I fit in and I made all these friends, who know, I might've stayed in my small hometown and never left. So, but in, in the moment, it definitely didn't feel like a success, right? I, I was in the thick of it, but now looking back, I understand like, Hey, that might've not been the best time of your life, but it definitely led to where you are today. And I'm grateful for that. So number one failure was high school. Number two is agents and managers and when I was seeking them first moving to LA. So when I first started pursuing acting, I went through five different agents and managers before I landed on the team that I have now. And I would like to say that the team I have now is incredible. And I've been with them for a handful of years now, maybe five or six years. And when I first moved to LA, you know, you're sending out these emails, you're meeting with agents, you're meeting with managers and anyone that could sign you, you want to sign with them because you're nobody. You've never worked. You don't have confidence. And so you're just kind of like, yes, I'll sign with you. So I got signed with a manager at 20, 19, and I was still living in Orange County. And she's like, you got to move up to LA, blah, blah, blah. So I moved up to LA and she was getting me all these great auditions. And then after three months of me not booking one of those auditions, she fired me or dropped me rather, sorry, dropped me. And, um, I was heartbroken <laughs> obviously because it was my first real manager and she did get me great auditions. And that was, I mean, that's definitely a failure in your mind. At least, you know, you're like, I'm not good enough. This great manager saw me for three months and then was like repulsed by my work. That's what you tell yourself. Uh, and she doesn't want to rep me anymore. Um, so that was really hard, but got to get back up and hit the ground running and try to find a new one. Right. So I find a new one and this manager was also very great. And then something in my body felt like it wasn't working with us. Right. And we were together for like two years and yes, having a manager or an agent is like dating. <laughs> so I say we've been together. Um, we were, he was repping me for like two years, I think. And something had happened in within his management company where they were shutting down, but he was going to move to a different 
management company. So he's like, I still want to rep you, da, da, da. And something in my body told me to fire him, let him go. And I've never worked before. So if you're an actor and you've never worked and you're signed, you hold on to that for dear life, which I think is a problem. And it's something that I preach when I consult young actors is I say like, if something doesn't feel right, you know, let that go, let them go. So you can let what's right for you in. And I ended up quote unquote firing him. Um, and that's a failure right there. Right. I was with someone for two years, like getting the auditions and it was already so hard to get a manager after that first time. And before these two, I was with some crappy agency for like three months that ended up letting me go. So there was just all these times, all these mishaps, all these mini failures before I met the team that I'm with now. And I just think it's so important to share that people might look at my IMDb and be like, oh, how did she get this agent? How did she get this manager? They're so great. Or like they're booking her all this work. And it's like, well, it took five different people before I ever met them and got to have my dream team. And it also took courage to be able to that one time that I had to fire that one manager. Um, again, great human being, but it just, I, I felt that it wasn't right for me. And, um, and so that's what led to the team that I have now. And in a way those are, that was like a little failure within that. And that was over the course of three years, I would say of just never feeling stable in representation for acting, which is so funny because that's just the beginning part of pursuing a career in acting, right? You need to get your team first in order to start going out on great auditions and have that stability and start building a reputation as with you and your team to start getting great auditions and and booking them and creating those relationships with casting directors and producers and stuff like that. So that took three years just to get a great, I mean, I say three years. I started when I was 17 pursuing. So I would actually say like six years before I found my like people. And then let's go right into the obvious thing, which is auditions. Like I would say it takes around for me with my experience. If I average it out, it's probably one booking every 50 auditions in the beginning, at least for the first like 300 auditions. It was like, well, my first audition I ever booked, I had auditioned like 300 times before I booked that one thing. So that right there is one out of 300. But if you average it out, it's probably one out of every 50. And within that, there's times where you get callbacks, right? And there's times where you test for a show. One of my failures, my next one I guess we'll talk about is um, I tested for a show called Grand Hotel that Eva Longoria produced in, I think I tested for this in 2018. I was so excited because I had worked at Eva Longoria's restaurant called Beso in Hollywood. I was a hostess there. And I was like, oh my God, this is meant to be. I used to host at her restaurant and make $10 an hour. And now I'm going to be, you know, the lead on one of her shows. And so you get the audition first and then you get a callback. It's exciting. Callback. And then you get a producer session. Exciting. You go in, you meet a couple more people on the team. They like you again. Then you're getting like calls from the casting director like, hey, you know, wear this because it's going to look great and this is what they're looking for. Your agents are calling you like, how are you going to do your, you know, how do you feel about it? And I go to the screen test, 
which is a big deal. It's at like one of the studios and there's tons of people there. It's in like an auditorium. I get there to audition my first screen test ever. So there's all these sorts of nerves in there. I think I do okay, but I think when I leave, I know that I didn't go like excellent. And of course I, I didn't book it and I was super bummed about that. And so I've tested for three shows now um, that I have not booked. So times changed in the recent years, in the last two years of like, you don't test anymore. You don't screen test the way you used to. But before these two years of how things have changed, I tested three times for shows that I have not booked. That means you get all the way. Da, da, da. So someone again might look at my page, my IMDb or whatever and be like, oh, she's a working actor. She's so lucky. Well, yes, very grateful, very lucky. But behind that luck is a lot of hard work and a lot of failures and a lot of no's and a lot of, oh, she's just not ready yet or she's just not the one we were looking for or she's not young enough or she's not old enough or she doesn't look like this person's daughter and we really want her to play the daughter, you know, whatever it is. There's a lot of that before booking anything that I've booked to this day. So one more story with an acting failure is you can even go as far as booking a show, filming it and it not airing. So another show that I booked was, I was so excited about. It's one of my favorite shows that I watch on television. I filmed two entire episodes and then um, a different show that I was on already called my agent and said, we need her for XYZ dates. She can't be shooting on those dates. And long story short, they had to recast my character in this show. Okay. So I do three auditions. I book this one show. I'm so excited. And you might be thinking, oh, problems to have. You book two shows at the same time. All right, I've been auditioning for seven years. When it rains, it pours. What can I say? Like, I still was upset about it. I, you know, I, I wasn't, you're telling me I've been auditioning for seven years. I finally book one thing and then it, it's a conflict with this other show. Like, it's heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. I shot two entire episodes, never aired, never got to continue my character's roles, even though she was in like seven episodes. So that is quote unquote, a little bit of failure because I never got to see that through. I never got to actually, you know, do that thing. I never got to even show it to the world, those two episodes, because um, they never aired. Next, we'll go into commercials that I've shot that have never aired. So commercials are a great way for an actor to make money. And I've been doing them since I moved to LA in 2015. And I've gone on hundreds of commercial auditions. And I think I've booked maybe 13 to 15, but I've actually booked like 18 to 20. And if your commercial doesn't air, you don't make money. So one example is in 2020, in the beginning of 2020, before the pandemic, I booked two commercials. And again, this is my livelihood. This is how I make money. This is what I pursue. This is what I love. And when you book something, it's super important. I can pay my bills now. I have confidence to keep going. It's like all these things that weigh on that. And what an actor gets paid for a commercial is a day rate, okay? It's very, very low. If you're a normal actor, you get very low rate. If you're famous and you're in a commercial, that's not the same. You make hundreds of thousands of dollars because you're on like a, um, a deal with the brand, okay? But if you're a normal actor and you're booking commercials, the day rate, I believe right now is like $700 that you get for one day of shooting, which is very, very low. But you make 
thousands of dollars with residuals. So if your commercial does not air, you get paid $700. I shot two commercials in the beginning of 2020. One of them was with a huge celebrity. It was so much fun. I was like talking to him in the commercial spot and everything and it never aired. <laughs> so, you know, that's that lets you down. That's definitely a failure. You think that you kind of have a, a paycheck coming in and you don't. And then the following week or two weeks later, I booked another commercial and I think it was for Ross and the pandemic hit and it aired for one week. I remember it aired for one week. My mom's like, I saw your commercial and then she never saw it again. Um, so, you know, I made maybe a thousand dollars on that commercial. Those are failures that go behind what you see on social media when I post my Taco Bell commercial, which is amazing. And it's so much fun. And again, I'm so grateful, but what you don't see behind that is all the times that I shot other commercials or had auditions and never booked them or never got paid for them. And then it's like what social media shows is like, oh, she's a working actor. She's so lucky or like how fun. And, and I'm the first to tell you like, um, earth to everyone. Everyone is posting their highlight reels on Instagram. I do not post the days I'm not working or, or I should say I don't post when I'm sad. If you follow me on Instagram, do you ever see me post a story of like, hey guys, I'm so unproductive today. I'm just like eating Cheetos and sitting on the bed. I mean, I don't actually do that, but I think my point is just truly, I post when I'm out doing something fun or when I'm working or when I'm shooting today, I'm gonna be posting on Instagram, right? On the days where I'm feeling unmotivated or unproductive, probably not even productive enough to go on my phone and think of a good idea to post on social media, right? Those days that, you know, the commercial doesn't air or whatever, I'm not on there like, hey guys, so super bummed, but like I shot a commercial the other day and I posted the day shooting the commercial and getting my hair and makeup done, but I never shot actually, you know, hey, bummer, it never came out and I'm not gonna ever see it, ever gonna see the footage from that day, nor am I gonna get paid for it. So, or paid a, the money that I thought I was gonna get to, you know, pay for my bills. <laughs> um, so yeah, those are some little insiders on what it's like to be a working actor. And, and, and I think that this can go for anyone. It's not just a working actor, it's just anything that you do. Like if there's, if you're struggling, if you're feeling like you're not getting ahead, you are, you're getting there. You just gotta keep failing forward. You got it like yesterday. If your goal is to be a wellness influencer, what does a wellness influencer do? They post reels of themselves like, you know, with their wellness recipes or whatever. You have to start taking notes on what you want that to look like for you, doing the research, like putting the work in, right? And that's with anything. And if you haven't found your dharma or your purpose, that's okay try all these other different things to see what sticks with you and what you actually feel like failing at. And when you find what you want to fail at, I think that you're getting closer and closer to your purpose. Okay, failure number, I don't know what we're on, five, um, is something to do with magic. So I own a small business called Magic Mornings and it's been full of lessons and failures, okay? I created this in 2020 and I've been building it. I built it from the ground up and I'm still building it as we speak. I am in a space, a time and space right now of failure within magic. Um, I wanna tell you a story though. I created magic out of my apartment in New York City when I was living there, filming a show called Power. And um, 
I had so many days off that I was able to create magic into what it is today, which is just a, you know, functioning brand that sells journals. And I was reading a book. I forget the book's name. It was some super like Tony Robbins, Grant Cardone type book. And I was just feeling super motivated to like, or Brendan Bruchard. And I was feeling super motivated to get out there and just start taking action, taking risks and like failing and kind of uh, making myself uncomfortable to then see the results after that. So I was like, how can I sell this journal? Like I need to get it out there. It is, you know, not selling online. I've already sold to all my friends and family. How can I kind of think outside the box all while pushing myself to try to sell some of these journals and get it out there? You never know what's going to happen. I was like, okay, I have an idea. I'm going to set up shop in Central Park and sell the journals there. And instantly when I said that, I felt this thing in my stomach of like, ooh, that sounds real scary. Are you sure? And I was like, okay, yeah, let's run toward the scariness. Like that's that's where it is. So I go on Craigslist and I buy a flyer wagon. What's it called? Red flyer wagon. And it's like a vintage old wagon walk to this place on like 76th street and I live on 50th street and I buy the wagon and then I Uber home with the wagon. And then I take the wagon to my 10th floor of the building that I live in. And the next day I was like, all right, I'm going to fill it with all the magic journals. So next day I fill it with magic journals. I have some dried flowers, some like little, a vase to put the flowers in, some fabrics that I'll lay on whatever table or bench I'm thinking of setting up on. So I take the wagon over to Central Park. Again, I live on, I lived on 52nd and 2nd. So like, if you're familiar with New York, that is, honestly, I can't remember, but I feel like it's at least 10 blocks away from Central Park. And I dragged my wagon to Central Park. This is a kitty wagon. It's vintage. It's literally like I had one as a kid. And then I set up next to the other street vendors. If you've ever been to New York or anywhere in America in a city here in LA, downtown, people sell all sorts of things. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, don't mind me. Just setting up shop here, trying to sell a journal. And I, you guys, the amount of uncomfort I felt, I, I cannot describe in words. The, the My stomach felt like I wanted to throw up and I was like, this has to be good for me. Like I have to be gaining something out of this. And so I'm sitting there and people are walking by and I'm in New York City. These young, cute girls are like walking by me and I'm just like, oh my God, I felt like I was in high school again. I was like, oh my God, that, those are the exact girls that bullied me. Hello, do you guys have a morning routine? Do you want to like see what my journal didn't even look over at me? Can you imagine? And I felt so vulnerable and so, I don't even know how to, again, I can't describe it in words, but two things. One thing, I made friends with one of the street vendor guys and it was very cool to hear his story and just gain this new perspective of like a different kind of life that people live, right? He does this every day. He, he he couldn't give a fuck that he was out there selling whatever he, this is his livelihood. This is how he makes money. And I think that that's amazing and awesome. And like, I wish that I had that confidence in that moment, but I know that if I set up shop in Central Park every day, that I would gain that confidence, right? And then the second thing is that I sold one journal that day for a discount of $20. 
um, to a woman on roller skates. She bought it for her daughter. And um, she was so funny. She was in this like hot pink outfit and she was with a friend and she sat, I, I set up at a bench by the way. So it was a bench and then my wagon with the journals in it. And I'm, sh by the way, this is when I'm shooting power on like the weekdays and <laughs> came here on the weekend. And she, um, she had her friend like taking photos of her in the journal. And I just, I, I thought it was very beautiful to see that and just make that even that one connection. I definitely felt after I felt super proud of myself and just empowered that I was able to do that and get through it and know that even that uncomfortability, you're still going to come out the other side alive. And what is, you know, I'm not going to die. And like, what is the worst that can happen? Honestly, I think the worst did happen. Like you feel kind of awkward and weird, right? You feel vulnerable. You feel seen or unseen and you kind of learn things about yourself, which is my mission in life is to know myself on the deepest of levels because that is the only way that I'm going to walk into the rest of the of my life with confidence because that is the only way I'm going to walk into the rest of my life with confidence and ambition and perseverance and the ability to talk to anyone, right? I want to be in this world of entrepreneurship, of acting. Like how can I put myself in these uncomfortable situations to where, hey, when I get out there, into the real world where I'm actually in my comfort zone, things aren't that bad. And then you guys, magic as a whole, since we're talking about magic right now, is before I created the actual journal, I had 10 other journals that I created uh, digitally, right, myself. And some of them I had printed. I had someone from Fiverr, which is like this website where you can hire people all around the world to do like graphic work for you, to be an assistant. But I had someone on there um, make like a final digital version and I printed that version. It is not the one that we see today, but the cover that he made is the one that I still have. That's the only thing I kept, which is huge. It's the cover that I kept from my first iteration of magic. The rest of it was a quote unquote failure, right? I had to keep iterating, keep iterating. Like, how can I make this thing functional? How can I make it to where people are going to want to buy it? What does that look like? And what's the cover going to look like? I had like a, um, a non-hardcover printed first. It was like almost like a paperback book. No, I don't like that. Okay, let's try this. Do you like this spiral color? No, I don't like that. So all of these different versions of the Magic Journal existed before the one that lives now. And guess what? I'm in the process of Magic 2.0, of creating another iteration of it. So this one that I have now might not be my end-all be-all, and that's okay. How can I take that, learn from it, go, okay, this is the feedback from people. At least I put it out there. At least I got something out there that I wasn't even necessarily like 1000% proud of. You think the magic journal that's out right now is the one that I'm like, yep, that's the one. It's perfect. It's going to live forever. No, I had to get something out there so I can at least start this journey that I know I want to start of this entrepreneurial um, endeavor that I want to go on. And within that took a lot of self-doubt, a lot of feeling like I wanted to quit. A lot of days where I was like, I can't afford this. Who am I to put out a mindfulness journal? I never went to college. I barely graduated high school. I'm 25 at the time. Who's gonna listen to me? Who's gonna buy this, right? This is even before Power came out, before Tell Me Lies came out. So like, 
I didn't have as many followers at all. But again, I think what helped me is, I say this a lot, like reading books and listening to podcasts, truly, they motivate me and they help me take action. Like I could feel unmotivated, go on a walk, listen to a podcast and come back home and be like, okay, I want to get into this project. Like I want to start this one thing. These sparks of motivation come to you after you read a good passage. It could be one passage and you could read that passage every single day for a year. And it can be as helpful as reading the whole book even. So that is one thing that, um, like almost a sidebar of something that kind of helped me stay motivated in those times where I was feeling self-doubt because I definitely have that. I have imposter syndrome, all the same things. And I think that the only way I was able to create the Mac journal and end up printing it and everything is because of all of those failures that I had before it where I was like, okay, I've iterated this 10 times. People seem to be okay with this version because I got one printed before and showed some people this is going to be the one that I go with. Is it the end all be all? Is it the one that I want to sell at anthropology? No, I want to iterate again and make an even better version. And then guess what? In 10 years, I might want to make another one. Or I might be like, magic was so much fun. I hope that it lives on and sells at stores, but I'm done iterating and I'm done creating new within that endeavor of my life. I'm ready to fail forward on something completely different. And that's okay too. You can have, there's phases in life where you go through and you um, want to go down different avenues, different roads. You have different passions. We are always growing. We are always being inspired. We're humans. We can literally go to an art show and get inspired and be like, I want to take up pottery. Like I, I just, I, I don't know what it is, something in me. And you do that for a year. How cool is that? That we have the ability to do that. That's okay. Um, and then you fail at it. Great. On to the next thing. Or I want to fail a little more at that and see if I can make it something that I love. We're not here to uh, go to school, go to work, get married, have kids and die. We are here to find our purpose. That could be 10 purposes. We are here to find what gives us, what lights us up, what gets us going on fire, like what makes us happy, what brings us joy, what gives us sadness? Like, what does all that look like? We are humans. We are so multifaceted. And I encourage everyone to, and I encourage myself, and I encourage anyone and everyone to go out there and try different things that can expand your mind and unapologetically take action on those things that you want to see through. All right, let's talk about some relationship failures that I've had, some personal ones. So I just did a podcast last week that came out with my boyfriend. Um, if you haven't listened, I think it's episode 12 and it is, it's really good. And, you know, we have a great conversation about relationships, about ego, about our, our issues that we have about couples therapy, about the five C's that we think lead to a healthy relationship. And I had friends text me and be like, wow, I love that episode. I'm so happy you found someone that you seem so compatible with and all these things. And yes, it's true. I am in a extremely healthy relationship that I am just happy in. But before that relationship took relationships that were quote unquote failures. I don't think they were failures at all. They were 
learning lessons. They helped me grow. They were a mirror to things that I needed to work on. But to the point of this podcast, they were failures, right? Because they weren't the one that actually worked out. But my point is, is it's easy to be single or be in a relationship and look at another relationship, whether it's on Instagram or listening to a podcast or on a TV show where it's literally scripted or on a reality show or whatever and think, wow, they really have it good. They have an amazing relationship. Two things on that. One, we don't know their actual relationship. Back to the highlight reel of Instagram. We have no idea what's going on in their relationship. Chances are they're going through a plethora of things that you have no idea about. That could be super deep and super bad, or it could be surface level, or it can be healthy fights, or it can be, you know, anything of that nature. You have no idea what that beautiful relationship looks like. And there's a second thing about that. If they are in a beautifully healthy relationship, what did it take to get there? They didn't just wake up one day, this is their first boyfriend or first girlfriend or first partner, and all of a sudden it's a great relationship. If you're single right now and you are, you know, sad or bummed about it because you've been through five failed relationships, that's what it takes. That's what it takes to find a relationship that you're happy about that works for you. You have to fail. You have to know from the relationships I've been in, I took things from my ex-boyfriends and I was like, I love that. Love that. Hate that. Love that. Despise that. Great. Now that I know these things, I am going to take that and I am going to apply it to my next relationship. Comes the next relationship. Remember that thing I hated in relationship one? He doesn't do it. Check. Remember that thing I loved? Oh, he has that. Oh, and he's adding this new aspect that I love. Oh, he loves um, to go to the movies. I love that. Oh, but he does these things. Okay, right? Then you get in a relationship, blah, 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 and you see the flaws and you see what's not working and it doesn't work out. You break up. You do your due, due diligence again. You meditate on that, you journal on that, and you take the things that you loved about that relationship and things that did not work about that relationship, and that's exciting. Okay, great. I have a toolbox of what I know that I do not want in my next relationship, and I have a toolbox of the things that I know I do want. Now when I go on dates, I know what to look for and what not to look for. I know the red flags. I know the green flags. I know what might make me excited. I know things that I, you know... Oh, he's giving me narcissistic tendencies or he talks about himself a lot. I don't really like that, you know, or, oh, he loves to fish. I never knew that fishing that I would like fishing, but my ex-boyfriend also liked to fish. And I know that I like that about you, right? How would you know that if you didn't have that in your last relationship that quote unquote failed? So I think the point of failures in relationships is just knowing that when you see a relationship on social media or on TV or you're listening to a podcast and you know, you think, Oh, that person's married and they have the best life ever. Just know that it took a lot of failed relationships to get there. And even in that perfect relationship that they're in, it's not perfect. They have to deal with, you know, a lot of things that you're not, that you may not be aware of. So just know that if you are single or you're in a, in a relationship that you're unhappy with, both of those things are okay. And if you think that that is a failure, that's fine. Keep doing it because that's the only way you're going to get to the relationship that you're really happy in. Or, you know, and I think if you're single, I've talked about this in um, one of the previous episodes, like fucking bask in that. Like that is beautiful. Take, you know, think about your past relationships. What do you make a list these, the amount of pieces of paper I have, cause I have everything that I've ever journaled, even if it's a scratch piece of paper, I have it like in a 
box in my stationary cabinet. And the amount of times I've written on a piece of paper with the date, I always, I always date all my journal entries, or even if I'm just taking notes on a scratch piece of paper and it says dream man, like when I'm, when I'm single, I do this all the time. And I'm like, or dream partnership, dream relationship, whatever that is to you. And I write down the character traits that I'm looking for in a, in that person, in a relationship, the trips that I want to go on or like the things that I want to do, or is he family oriented, the values, right? Very specific about all those things I want. And I feel like that's an aspect of manifesting too, right? Like visualizing and intention setting about what you want your relationship to look like. Do that. It's so much fun. Like write out exactly what you want. And I actually wrote one after my first relationship. Um, and then I wrote one after my second relationship. And they were a lot different because I took things that I learned from that second relationship and I wrote completely different things that I didn't know that I wanted or that I that I knew that I didn't want, um, which was super fun. And yeah, it's it could be a good thing to be to be single, I think, you know it's it's not a failure at all. It's it's really a beautiful thing. Okay, the last failure topic we're gonna talk about today is personal failures when you're trying to condition yourself into having better habits, right? What do those failures look like on a day-to-day basis? So I'm just gonna share mine. Um, there, are, there are many day-to-day things that I want to accomplish and I wanna get better at and I want to create this ultimate healthy lifestyle. I am failing every single day in this arena. However, over the last, I would say eight years or maybe six years since I've gotten into health and wellness, I have definitely grown right to where now it is, it is my lifestyle to have a healthier lifestyle, but it took a lot of small failures. So for example, when I wanted to start waking up earlier, I've said on a past podcast, I used to sleep in and hit snooze, snooze, snooze all the time a few years ago. And I wanted to try to wake up earlier. I I knew that that's what was going to lead to my ultimate productivity. And it took a really long time. It took weeks and months of failing, of falling into six week spreads of like going back to that, you know, 10 a.m. wake up or whatever. And ultimately leading to now, right, six years later of failing, now I wake up every day at, you know, 6 a.m. Like that is just, what has happened over the years, but we underestimate what we can do in six years and overestimate what we can do in six months. We think like, Oh, I just, I, my new year's resolution is that I really want to eat healthier. And if I don't do it this year, then I might as well not try it all. No fail, but at least give yourself a chance to fail. Like set those goals. Um, and, and eventually it will become who you are. If you're someone and one of your goals is I don't want to go on social media in the morning. I don't want to do it. I, I've heard of that it's bad. I heard that I can wake up and it can lead to stress and anxiety. And I heard that the blue light's not good for you first thing in the morning and all those things that you, I know you've heard if you listen to this podcast, cause I talk about it. Um, and like start small. Okay. I'm going to try for five minutes to not go on my phone and I'm going to fail for two months straight. I'm going to last one minute. I'm going to open my eyes. I'm going to stretch. And my hand's going to grab the phone on accident. And I'm going to do that for two months and then six months. And then I'm going to get inspired again. I'm going to see an Instagram video. I'm going to listen to a podcast. I'm going to read something. 
And that seed that I planted about not going on my phone in the morning is going to start growing a little bit more. And this time, I'm not going to go on my phone for five minutes a day and it's going to be great. And eventually, if that seed starts to grow because you're watering it in little ways, just by being aware, by listening, by understanding that this is a value that you actually have in your life, eventually you'll get to a place where that is your lifestyle. But I think the main thing is like, have grace, have patience, take action, be patiently persistent with the goals that you want to achieve. Um, I think for me, working out was a really big one. I was not a worker outer. I still am not. I don't identify as a fitness junkie, right? But I identify the importance of moving my body every single day. I think for my mental health, for my longevity, for the fact that I want to have kids, I think that there's so many elements that go into the importance of of moving your body and working out. And so I knew that I wanted to make it a habit. You guys, the amount of times I've failed, and these are real failures, like signing up for a gym membership and never going, paying for class pass and it charging your card and using it three times a month, Um, saying that you're gonna be a yogi and not actually doing it. Eventually I have found my rhythm and flow. And that is I go to yoga three to five times a week. I try to run as much as possible. That doesn't happen weekly at all. But I do, I am a fitness person now, right? I understand the importance of going on walks and I trained myself and I failed forward in order for myself to be this way. How did I start? I started by taking small actions, dipping my toe in the water. I see a habit that I want to incorporate into my life and I plant the seed of that goal. And I take little tiny actions every single day, knowing I'm going to fail and being okay with that. And the other side of that is the lifestyle that you want to have and the success that you want to have. I think all of those little personal failures, you know, the waking up earlier, the working out, the eating healthier, the the going on social media less. um, It's something that we all, we all want to achieve and you can achieve it. It's just a matter of being intentional and actually taking action in order to fail, right? Setting the goal and failing and being okay with that and not getting completely off the wagon about it, being like, okay, nope, I can hop back on at any time and it's okay. I've planted the seed, the seed is growing. And in five years, I'm gonna have the healthy lifestyle that I want. So yeah, you guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. That was seven failures that I've had in my life that have made me into the person I am today. And I will happily continue to take action on my endeavors, my dreams, my healthy lifestyle and continue to fail happily. Um, Knowing that on the other side of that is a little bit better of a version of myself and a little bit more success in whatever that means to me, right? That's all I care about is what it means, what success means to me. And that's the most important thing. Um, I think failure is a beautiful thing. And I think that, you know, 10,000 failures equals one success. There's no overnight success. 10,000 hours of hard work is, um, you know, the minimum of being absolutely prolific in what you do. If any of you guys are quote unquote professional at what you do, you know that it took a lot of hard work and dedication. So if you can apply that to every area of your life, I guarantee you're going to find some more, happiness and success in those areas as well. If you like today's episode, please make sure to 
send it to someone that you think that it will inspire or someone that needs it. And um, please rate and review as well. It's really helpful to ground up when you rate and review it. It helps push the podcast uh, organically out on the platform. And make sure to follow us on Instagram. And if you have any topics that you'd like me to dive into, please DM me, Natalie, on Instagram or email the podcast at press at groundupodcast.com. Mm-hmm.